Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Real Forno Show. It is a different screen here today because Dave and I wanted to celebrate another good show with some nice little cocktails. He's got his bourbon. I have my peanut butter and jelly sour, which do not make fun of it until you've tried it. It's very weird, but it's very, very good. We have a special announcement for Monday's show, which is going to be the pregame show for the Vikings taking on the San Francisco 49ers. Along with that, we are going to debunk some narratives. If you've ever seen Mythbusters, we're going to be the Vikings Mythbusters today. And you know what? Dave's got the hat to boot. I've got the facial hair of the other guy. You know, I'm taller than Dave. We're still going to rock and roll and we're going to have a really good conversation about this team and how it uh, progresses forward. Welcome to the real Forno show. Real Forno show. Hosted by Tyler Fornis, the managing editor of USA Today's Vikings wire writer for the college football network. Publisher of Substack, Run In Shooter. Host of The Good, The Bad, and The Hungry on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, as well as a founding member of Vikings First and Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Real Forno Show. I am your host, Fat Hawkinson. I'm sorry, Tyler Fornis, with me as always in the top right corner. He is producer Dave. Dave. We have a really special announcement for Monday, and I, I think we should start off the show with it, and I'm really excited about it. So, for those of you that who have been around a while, we do have the subscri- subscriptions on YouTube, and we are going. And one of the perks of that $15 tier is to be able to jump on a show with us, and Davey's already had the opportunity to, 
And I see Michael in the chats as well. Let, let's put it this way. We're going to offer that opportunity to everybody who subscribes on a, on like a promotional basis on Monday. Anybody who subscribes to the YouTube channel, we can see who the subscribers are. What you will be able to ask us for a link and you'll be able to join the show for a few minutes to talk football, ask any questions you have about the Vikings and taking on the 49ers. And it'll be a nice little fun way to get excited or prepare for absolute misery as the Vikings play on Monday night football against the best team in the national football league, the San Francisco 49ers. And I think it'll be a good time. And at the end of the day, if they lose, we're going to have fun beforehand. The drinks will be flowing and we'll have as uh, the Flintstones said, a gay old time. Dave, <laughs> that's a pretty exciting thing, my man. I, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. We had a good time with Davey when he joined the one day. Mm-hmm. And I think it'll be a really fun opportunity to continue to, to talk with uh, our great viewers. And they can tell me how beautiful my hair is. <laughs> also on the pregame show on Monday, we have Justin Day joining from Purple and Gold for Days, and Justin is part of our team. He does podcasts over on our podcast side at Vikings First and Skull at your favorite aggregator everywhere. You can find his work twice a week being posted, That and not all of it is what you see on his channel, but he'll be joining as well on Monday to talk about the game. And Michael opens up the night with a $25 Super Chat. Thank you so very much, Michael. From our heart to yours, we love that. We appreciate it. You know Thanks so much. Last second change, Dave. Any Anybody, including Michael, who has that kind of super chat tonight or on Monday, we will let you on the show as well. As a, <laughs> as a nice thank you to everybody who's done such a great job in supporting us and making sure that we are able to continue to bring this kind of Vikings content. Um we will not be talking whiskey on Monday, but I can tell you this. There might be a show here moving forward where, hey, maybe we just jump on and it's just like a old school talking shop where like, you know, back in like the 50s and 60s and 70s, guys just used to go to the barbershop and talk and shoot the shit with their buddies. Now we might be able to do something like that down the line. But Monday is going to be for Vikings 49ers. And to get set up for that, um, I, I just want uh, to say one thing. I want everybody to um, say a little prayer for my little doggie, Claire. Um, she started having seizures last week, and she had another one today. She's doing okay, uh, and we have her on some medication. But if you would be so kind as to shoot up a little prayer, or if you don't believe in prayer, shoot some good vibes her way. And I would be most appreciative because that little girl's been through hell, and that she just deserves to live a good puppy life. And it just breaks my heart that she's having to deal with this. And I know it's the same for my wife. So any good vibes you have would be much, much appreciated. Um, Now let's talk about some Minnesota Vikings and Dave, as you are um, Mr. Mythbuster himself. um, I, I don't remember their names, but I used to watch Mythbusters all the time because it was, it was such a fun show. Mm-hmm. They got to blow up stuff and test hypotheses. It was fun. It was basically a, a like a giant high school science experiment with a lot of money and a lot of cool stuff. Like mm-hmm. that was 
that was really like a really fun concept and it was just dudes just wanting to do cool shit and like the the awesome part about it was is you learned things too and i think that is part of it like that's that's part of the charm and why you can justify watching it all the times like oh i'm learning things it's not just um it's not just about cool stuff you're like it's science like you could sit your 10 year old down in front of like five hours of Mythbusters, and you'd feel pretty good about it because they're going to learn about science while watching cool shit and blowing stuff up like it's it's a, a, the perfect combo it's kind of like watching like modern marvels on history channel like they continuously talk about like cool stuff and how how things grow and evolve but at the end of the day you're still learning and to be able to combine some of those things i think is just a wonderful thing and we're going to do that today and one of the reasons why we're not talking about the San Francisco 49ers is one, uh, as you, you heard earlier in the show, we talked about um, the pregame show being on Monday and it's Monday night football. So we don't want to do a ton of 49ers content here today. And Hey, David, let me tell you this. If science wasn't real, would we have beer? Ooh, nope. Beer and we have science, beer. God's gift to men. Human group that God loves us and wants us to be happy. Benjamin Franklin. I yeah. will drink to that. <laughs> but the, one of the things we're going to do today is because we have the pregame show on Monday and it's Monday night football. What we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking big picture overarching themes. And I dropped this piece earlier today on vikingswire.usatoday.com where if you don't know, I'm the managing editor. So I dropped it about five hours ago. And I titled it Factor Myth, Exploring Seven Vikings Narratives. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I identified seven different, like, overarching narratives within the fan base. And it's not just a fan base, it's among analysts as well. And talking about what they are and if they're true or not. And I dove in and I tried to look at it as objectively as possible. And there's a good chance you may not agree with everything I have to say. And that's fine. But I think it's also important to have these conversations. And we're going to start with the offensive line. Now, anybody who's followed me for a long time knows how annoyed I've been with this offensive line for a long time. Basically, since Steve Hutchinson left, this offensive line has been some form of... And it's been really annoying. Like 2016, the Vikings felt like they had the team to make the run. And they had a billion injuries on the offensive line. Now, Teddy Bridgewater plays a decent factor into that, but it's also when you talk about the offensive line, they were bad and they were injured and they were signing guys off the street. And then Jake long, one of those guys that signed off the street was playing well, left tackle rips his Achilles. And that essentially ends his career. Like this has been an issue for so long today. And it's very frustrating. And if you guys have any kind of comments, in the chat, I see Sean has joined us for the, uh, one of the first times on YouTube. Thank you very much. Thank you, everybody, for joining us here live. But if you have comments about kind of what I'm saying, I will try to answer them like as as the discussion um, going. Oh, Montana Grizzlies, baby. Oh, I love I love watching Montana. Montana, Montana State's one of my favorite games to watch every year. It is just a disgusting old school rivalry. And I love that. It's the heart of college football. Plus, when you look at the backdrop of either Montana State or Montana, oh, beautiful. 
absolutely beautiful scenery. Um, but enough college football. I could talk about that for the next 12 hours, but we're here to talk Minnesota Vikings. The big thing with the offensive line is, and Dave, I, I want your opinion on this. My take on offensive line play is it's a very reputation based analysis across the board. So the Vikings offensive line has this narrative where they've been really bad for a long time. And it's hard sometimes when you have something like that ingrained in your head to change your opinion on it. And I'm not going to necessarily fault any specific individual or a specific group. But when you consistently believe that this group is bad, a few games of them playing good can complete. It doesn't necessarily sink in the way it should. It's not like quarterback play where quarterback play is so blatantly visible. You know, if Kirk cousins is playing really well, or if he's playing really bad, like it's, it's super easy to see offensive line play is a lot of nuance. It is not always completely visible based on what you see on the broadcast. So that's why the analysis of it and the viewpoint of a lot of people is very reputation based Vikings offensive line is bad. So if I see things that continue to support that narrative, like a blitz and then they get home and get a sack, that's going to, you know, support my narrative. And that's why reputation means so much with offensive line analysis, because not enough people will really dig in and watch that group because you need that back view and that front view on the all 22 to really see what's going on in the trenches. Would you agree with that? Yes, but it's the, why it takes so long to change is you've always heard the talking points of offensive line should be seen, but not hurt, right? You never, never want to hear an offensive lineman called out during a game for something bad they did, right? Or whether it be a penalty, whether it be give up a sack or whatever, you never want to do that. That catches the eye of the viewer as soon as they that happens. Ed Ingram acts like a turnstile, poop, Kirk Cousins gets sacked. Ezra Cleveland mm-hmm. acts like a turnstile, poop, gets sacked. Then it may only be one play in the entire game, 60-some-odd snaps. But it's that one play that sticks in people's mind that they did that. Now, every once in a while, they'll see somebody like Darisaw pancake somebody, just destroy somebody. And they mm-hmm. go, oh, that's good, right? Because th- those are the few rare good points where you're seeing an offensive lineman make a difference is when they blow somebody up. And But most of the time, you don't want to hear or see about it. You want to see, you want to see a collective push and forward, but the with especially with the type of run game we run, the zone run mm-hmm. versus a power, you don't see that push forward. You see lateral movement, and people just don't. It's hard to understand with lateral movement that it's good or bad because they're moving sideways. They're not moving downfield. That's why we all miss the big power games where. It was mano a mano, and if you push the defensive line back three yards, you know, the running back had three free yards before he went through the line. That's cool. You don't see that anymore. So it's hard to determine by the fan, just by watching mm-hmm. how good they may actually be, especially when you get the onesies, twosies. Oh, my God. O'Neal just got beat around the corner, right? And O'Neal's one of the best tackles in the 
business. And yet he does. And all offensive mm-hmm. linemen get beat. It's just yeah. a matter of when and how that they do. There's no perfect play. But when you are in, taught to ingrain, oh, my God, these guys are horrible, It's it keys to your mind quicker. It comes out of that subconscious. And Absolutely. to... Su- and to suddenly get better, right, as a whole, and they are, they're much better. Now, they're much better in grading, and they're much better compared to the rest of the league because there's a shortage of quality lines in the league. And mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to see that. It's hard to pick out because we're just myopically focused on the Minnesota Vikings. We're not seeing that every, every other team in the league minus probably your contenders, are all, they're all sucking it up too. And their fans are going, what the, what's wrong with our whole line? And our line has actually improved, which, much to my surprise, I was talking earlier on the NFC North show about how Garrett Brett, because they were talking about centers. The Mm -hmm. Chicago Bears had a rough day at center last week, as we all know, thankfully, uh, against the Vikings. It, they're talking about getting centers, and they want one of the the Green Bay Packer reps said, well, you don't want to get one in the draft. You want to get a a veteran. I said, yeah, coming off first contract is probably best because it takes that long for a college lineman to adjust to the NFL and to step it up. Most people don't see that, and when we see, when we've got two guys that are three guys that are on rookie contracts on that line, you're like, oh, wait a minute. You know, is Ingram improving? You know, mm. is Ed or Ezra improving when we just saw him give up the sack or blow that run block? But when you look at the grades, because they're taking the whole entirety, the 60 plus snaps into effect, yes, they are. Yeah, and that that can be really difficult. And Mary, thank you very much for the kind words on the article today. If you want to follow along, kind of just a general template of what we're talking about, go up to vikingswire.usatoday.com and pull up my article called Factor Myth, Exploring Seven Vikings Narratives, because that's going to be the big topic of discussion here. And it we're just kind of going to go down the line and we're going to talk about it. So right now we're talking about the offensive line. Dave kind of laid it out really nicely uh, and about the narrative and why that doesn't necessarily change overnight, but let's let's dive into some of the stats. So Ben Baldwin of The Athletic, um, he goes by Computer Cowboy on Twitter, and he he compiles graphs of like um pass rush like pass rush win rate and run block win rate, which is an ESPN metric, and then combines it with uh, the PFF grade, and the Vikings look pretty good in both. They are above average. They're above the, so you have the X axis, the Y axis, and then you have the tangent. So like the average, the Vikings are above in both and they are the third highest PFF grade in run blocking, sorry, in pass blocking. And they are the sixth highest in pass, pass rush win rate or pass block win rate in this case. And look, this team is playing well. And the run block is even better. They're the top run block ring team per pro football focus on the year. And so we're going to kind of talk about this here later um, as far as like the reasons why things haven't been working because the blocking has been really good. And 
Alec Lewis of the athletic wrote a piece about it today. Did, like, did the Vikings just underestimate how important a really good running back is? I don't think they estimate underestimated how important a good running back is. I just think they picked the wrong running back and that is, style. yeah, well, that's a big reason why like lanes aren't hit and follow the blocks and some of those issues. So if you, the blocking's great, but you run into a brick wall instead, like that's not the blocking's fault. It's the execution. And that's why this show is always about context. And it's the context itself is more important and that we have believed that forever and ever. Um, I just dropped a, uh, a link in the chat and you'll be able to see it here momentarily of the article. The context is more important than the stat itself, because if you can't explain why the stat is what it is, then what is the, what's the point? And people talk about analytics like, Oh, it's just made up stats. I hate to break it to you. Every stat is made up every single one. So you, that's not even to me a good argument. And Dave, that's true. Every single Uh, stat is made up for some, like for some purpose, like it's purpose. It's metrics to measure how a player or a team is doing. And to illustrate your, what you're talking about running back, going the right spot. Most people have seen the clip of Alexander Madison running left where Christian Dersaw blew out his first block and he was Mm -hmm. going left. And all Alexander Madison had to do was cut inside, but he went around. Now, Christian Dersaw then pancaked two guys at once. It's amazing. It's amazing. The best offensive tackle league. And but I'd still think Trent Williams, but I don't blame you. Well, he's, he's and currently he, graded out by PFF as number one, but number four in pass or five in pass blocking and four in run blocking, which nothing wrong with that. And uh, and of course, he idolizes Trent Williams, so that's and we're going to get to see that Monday, probably. Ooh, yeah. Um, but if Madison had cut in, he probably would have gotten a greater result than actually what he did. And that's Mm -hmm. what we talk about what you're talking about when, if we had runners that optimized the scheme, and we don't necessarily have that right now, which just seems odd because Madison's been in this scheme his whole career so far with the Vikings. Mm -hmm. Oh, excuse me. Um, that's why there's some of these things. Um, it, so one stat that they've created, it's called rush yards over expected. And that's where some of this data comes into play. I, I can't explain I like perfectly why, like how it ends up equating and all that stuff. But essentially it's this. If a run is expected to get eight yards and you get 15, that's seven yards over expected. So you're gaining an extra seven yards because of your impressive play. So when you talk about that play, Dave mentioned where all Madison had to do was cut inside and get inside of Derisaw to make things easier because he has that seal. That is those things matter. So instead of like an eight yard carry, which is what was expected, let's say he gains four. So that's negative four rushing yards over expected. That is where Dalvin Cook really struggled last year. He was one of the bottom five running backs in rush yards over expected. 
And it wasn't so much that you had bad plays from Dalvin. They weren't consistent. Like he could still hit the home run, but on an average second down and seven, he's getting you one yard or two yards. He's not getting you five. And those were the reasons why they had to move on. That mean, yes, outside of the, uh, the money. So money aside, like Dalvin just was not performing. And now he's with the jets and he's taking a severe backup role. Brees hall is the guy. And it's just one of those things where you have to understand what the context is. And that's why these, the offensive line has just looked as poor as they do. And I can, I called it a myth. The Vikings have a good offensive line and I'm going to keep shouting from the rooftops. It's time people start um, as a whole and it's hard because sometimes the most vocal are the smallest percentage of the, of like what the fan base actually believes. So there's a, there's a significantly vocal group that believes this unit is still bad. And that's just not the case anymore. And get excited, be happy. The Vikings have a good offensive line. They put all these resources into it and now it's good. It's good. Let's be happy about it. I'm going to be happy and drink my beer. All right. <laughs> it's, it's, that, it, it's been so long. People aren't recognizing mm-hmm. or realizing it. It's it's perceptions, right? Yeah. Like you talked and about at the very beginning. I don't blame people for it, but that's why we're here. And I, I, I tell it people this, not as an insulting thing, because I don't view all 22 from a perfect lens. I have a lot to learn about the game of football, but I am more educated than somebody who does not watch the all 22 because I learn things from it. And that's why I tell everybody, go get NFL plus and just watch it. Even if you don't know everything you're watching, you're going to be smarter and you're going to know more about the game just by osmosis and just by absorbing the material. Like it's, you're going to be a a smarter NFL minded person just by watching it. And that's why I challenge everybody go watch it then come back and let's talk about it. Cause I, I guarantee you, you're going to find things I don't and I'm going to find things you don't. And then we're going to be even more knowledgeable after the fact. So please, I highly recommend everybody go get it because look, the system kind of stinks, but you get the all 22 and you get to watch some of this stuff. And that is a really good thing. And Brian asked this and we're going to move on to the next myth because we've we're already a half hour in the show and we have six more to go. Um, I think the Vikings need one more guard long term because Ezra Cleveland probably isn't coming back. I wonder if Dalton Risner comes back for the same thing. And if you want some info on Risner, I recommend uh, Luke Braun's Patreon at Luke Braun NFL on Twitter. He he posts everything there. Um, He broke down all 10 plays. I I thought Risner was okay. I like. He was good, but there's a reason why he's behind Ezra and Ed. I don't think he's better than them. And when you have that kind of cohesiveness where the offensive line is just playing well, you don't mess with it. It's not like a, like a slot receiver where you can just replace him and everything's going to be fine. Like It matters with chemistry on the offensive line. They're playing well. Don't mess with it. And it's not an insult to Risner or Reisner. I mean, it is a... It's a positive for who's actually starting in the offensive line that they're playing well and just let them keep playing well, but we have to move on. And this next one has to deal with the offensive line 
and it's Kirk Cousins doesn't have any time to throw. And when it's talking about offensive line, I hear this all the time. Kirk doesn't have any time to throw. It's the offensive line's fault. Oh, Kirk had the guy open, but he couldn't make the throw because he got hit too quick. Well, we have a stat for that. Let's take a look. So they calculate time to throw. And time to throw can be a little convoluted because those individuals who are good at scrambling can make an like they can impact the stat greatly. So like your top quarterbacks at, uh, with time to throw, like Jalen Hurts, Russell Wilson, Josh Allen, guys who move really well. Shockingly, Jimmy Garoppolo is ahead of Kirk Cousins in like all these different time to throw metrics. Time to throw when you're talking about all dropbacks and include sacks. Okay, sacks have a, a notoriously higher uh, time to throw because usually it takes rushers time to get home and get to the quarterback. Okay. With sacks included, Kirk Cousins averaged 2.71 seconds time to throw the football. That ranks 19th in the league out of 34 qualifying quarterbacks. Okay. Average. He's got an average amount of time to throw. And that's with him not even trying really to escape the pocket or make something happen outside of structure. He's done that like two or three times this year, but it's not a common place. So if you take sacks out and you just talk about attempts, okay, Kirk Cousins has 2.66 seconds to throw the football. That's his average time to throw. That's 12th in the league. Like, And you're talking about a guy who's a pocket-only passer who does not have the greatest pocket presence in the world. Like, that's fine. Like, th- those are fine numbers. Tua is has an absolutely insanely low time to throw because the offense that they run is so... I'm going to just drop you back and just fire. You're, we're going to get you guys open in space, hit them. Let's have some fun. Helps when you have two world-class sprinters as as great wide receivers on your roster. But I digress. It's a myth. Kirk Cousins has enough time to throw. Now, does it feel like it sometimes? No, it doesn't. And that's where the perception comes in. But at the end of the day, when you look at like the stats across the league, you have to at three seconds, you have to be like, all right, I'm throwing this football or I'm bailing and I'm trying to make something happen with my legs, whether it be to throw the football, whether it be to run the football. And Dan makes a good point. Kirk can't move around to the pocket. I I don't think it necessarily can't. So like I I would modify it this way. He can, but he chooses not to because we've seen instances of Kirk having great pocket presence where he can just slide to the left, slide to the right. And I know it looks backwards on your screen, but I did left and right. And that's really what matters here. Um, It's those things. Dan Marino, uh, when NFL network started doing their top 10 list was voted the seventh most mobile quarterback of all time. You don't think of Dan Marino as mobile. I think it for a career. He had negative rushing yards at the end of the day. What he did so well with being mobile was he could slide in the pocket, stutter step, just move around a rusher and be able to fire that football. Ben Roethlisberger was the same way. Roethlisberger's pocket presence before like the last two years where his body was just done was tremendous. He could maneuver around a rusher and slide left, right, up and down in the pocket to avoid pressure like a magician. Tom Brady Kirk was a master that. at it. Oh, Tom Brady was great at it. Like that's mobility. If you can run, that's great, but you don't have to run. And that's where I think the mobility con construct gets a little lost 
Kirk has the ability to do that. He doesn't for whatever reason. And yeah, Michael Harrington is right. 2.6 seconds means cousins has a right to anticipate almost every throw. It isn't, isn't that simple. Like he has the time. It, it, everything depends on the play call. Everything depends on the coverage. But if it's like a 10 yard dig route, one, two, three drop. Boom. Like that's plausible. And Kirk has enough time to throw. And you know what? If he doesn't, which is fine, like in a vacuum, not every quarterback is going to have a perfect pocket. Not every quarterback is going to have ideal circumstances. You have to work around the adverse. And Kirk Cousins doesn't do that well enough. And that's one of the reasons why the Vikings need to move on. Because now he's aging. It's not that he's over 30. He is aging. Not every quarterback is Tom Brady. Peyton Manning's arm went kaboom. Boom at like age 37 and Peyton Manning never had a great arm coming out of college. Peyton Manning was average outside of two things, accuracy, intelligence. You could argue there was no smarter quarterback in the history of the NFL than Peyton Manning. The guy just got it. Like he knew more than his offensive coordinator did. Like that's just who Peyton was. Okay. So, We've talked about Kirk Cousins. Now we're going to talk about one more offensive line thing before we move on. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it because I know you guys have spent a lot of time watching and listening here. And I greatly appreciate every one of you that comes here every, every Monday and Wednesday or you listen on the podcast feed whenever you have the time. Thank you very much. You know how I feel about Ed Ingram. You know I believe he's a good right guard. Thank you, David. That's very nice. I don't know if we're the best show ever, but I'm going to take that and run with it, and I'm going to take all the credit, and Dave just... His, <laughs> I'll sit his, here his my Roland today, you know, cancels out any and all credit he got. So, uh, Dave, Dave has busy Wednesdays, so he's forgiven. Um, but Ed Ingram's good. He's not great. He's good. And I think in year two, as a late second round pick, good is fine. The one thing we, I've always talked about with offensive linemen, I want average guards. That's where the whole guards don't matter motif started. I don't need every guard to be Quentin Nelson or Zach Martin. Just be average. Be above replacement level. Guess what? Dave, the Vikings have that. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. As I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull up because I know Ed Ingram's. Um, Ed Ingram is playing really well. Pro Football Focus agrees. Um, 
Ezra Cleveland is grading out even better than Ed Ingram. So let's talk about it. Ezra Cleveland, uh, overall PFF grade of 73.8, ninth out of 79 guards. Pass block grade, 72.3, 14th out of 79. Run block grade, 72.8, 11th out of 79. Dad, that's way above average, baby. That's like, you're talking borderline Pro Bowl kind of level. And considering there are 64 starting guards. Yeah. And this is everybody who's played X amount of snaps. So you're going to have some guys who've played and then some guys who get injured. Like, so an extra 15 guards is fine. Ed Ingram, 65.4 overall grade, which is better, which is above replacement level. Okay. Replacement level is 60. Pass block grade is a little lower. 56.1, 48 out of 77. He was, I believe, dead last in this metric last year. And he dead last. last mm-hmm. Run block grade, 69.5, 13th out of 79. Yeah, I'm happy with that. Like to round it off, Brian O'Neill, 81.6, six out of 74 tackles. Garrett Bradbury, 80.7, second out of 39 centers. Christian Derrissaw, 86.2, the number one tackle in all of football, according to Pro Football Focus. And the reason why I, I mentioned those is one, I know you guys were asking. And two, like Ingram's fine. He's not, he's not great. I'm not calling him a great football player. He is good. And good is good enough right now, especially when you talk about a salary cap league and how he's only in year two and he's improving and he's showing improvement. Showing improvement here, Dave is more important than anything right now when it comes to Ed Ingram because he's young. And it's only a season and a third-ish of yeah. worth of play. And you've all heard me harp. It takes at least three years. If he's doing this well and to a second season and keeps improving, we've got a keeper, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. And it's it's tough because... Like, look, I, I get the the narrative with that Ingram. And we're back to the word narrative. The narrative with that Ingram is he sucked. He was not worth the pick. Ingram's played well. And it's really hard for me to say anything else. Like, Ingram is a good football player. And you have to be willing to adjust your opinions on things when new information is presented to you. This season things- is new information. But the things of stepping on Kirk's foot and accidentally strip sacking him on a pole, which is a fluky play. You do that a thousand times, it maybe happens he hasn't once. On him this year, though, did it, Dave? He did last year. He has not this year. Well, right. But all those sticking players are in fans' minds, and mm-hmm. that's that's the narrative that has to be overcome. And once you make that first impression, call it a first impression. The first mm-hmm. impression usually sticks until you prove it otherwise, and it takes a while to prove it otherwise. Mm-hmm. If you go to the article that I posted earlier in the chat, you guys can scroll up. Um, I'll act. You know what? I'll put it back in the chat so you guys don't have to. I have a couple plays, and there is a link there, um, hyperlinked underneath the Ed Ingram is bad and should be benched portion of the piece, where I did a film breakdown of him, and we actually did a film breakdown on this show, talking about Ed Ingram and his improvements. I recommend you look that look at that. He's playing well. 
and that's okay. Now, let's continue talking. We're going to diverge away from the offensive line because we have a few other things to talk about. Dave, I'm going to take a sip of beer and take a little bit of uh, a breather for a second, and I want your opinion on this before I, I go off onto my tangent. So you're T- telling me this is the perfect place to insert the mid-show ad when I edit this after this for the podcast? Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm glad we could give everybody a production meeting. <laughs> um, what are your thoughts on TJ Hawkinson? Has he played up to his contract? My thoughts on TJ is, believe it or not, he's playing rather well with the exception of one thing. He's dropped too many footballs. Other than that, he's playing fantastic. He was signed because he can get into positions and extend his frame better than 98% of the tight ends in the league. And that's a true statement. He can. That's unusual for a tight end. He he is contributing across the board to the offense. The only problem is he hasn't caught enough balls, or he's dropped too many, put it that way. And it, it's talking about perception and narrative. He's dropped too many so far this season. But I expect that to be cleaned up rather shortly, and he'll start catching balls and we'll all forget that he dropped early in the season. Yeah, Dave, that's kind of where I'm at because the one tough part is like TJ Hawkinson has been charged with four drops this year. And you could, if based on how PFF has been charting drops, you could argue that it's, it's five. Um, I would argue that it's only one because I don't actually like maybe two, but Difficult catches don't equal drops to me where all like all those that have been considered drops by pro football focus, extended arms, difficult catches, contested in traffic. These are catches he should make, but they're not drops. And I think Arif Hassan said it the best. And I mentioned this on Monday's show. Each one of those individually would like you could excuse them like it's fine, but now you have a, a trend, a collection of them. There's four across the last four games. Sorry. He gets into it. On Norse. Four. Sorry. He gets into it on Norse code, which came out earlier in the week. Yeah. And one of them is fine. Like two of them. Okay. But now there's five across the last like four games. That's a lot. So you're paying this guy a lot of money. And quite frankly, the numbers are fine. 36 catches, 304 yards, two touchdowns through six games for a tight end. They're good numbers. Like tight ends getting around 800 yards and about six touchdowns, about 75 catches. That's a good tight end. Absolutely. That's a good pass receiving tight end. Now, when you talk about the other elements, now these are the elements you don't, necessarily see and why I keep mentioning the all 22 is so important because you get to see how well he's blocking how well he's running routes and how well he's doing so many of these little things and he's still 
catching footballs and making plays. But the overarching theme with most people when they see the games live, Hawkins had dropped. Oh, he he had three drops against the Chiefs. I can't believe he's so bad. Like Those are the thoughts or the things that stay in your head, but you don't notice the other things that he does when you're watching the game live that tell you, oh, he's actually playing pretty well. Those were just unfortunate. And I think those things matter. And why I keep saying, grab the L22. Grab them. Like, grab it. And get the... Like, get it. Um, Max says in the comments, this is the highest catch percentage of his career. That's also good. Like, it's the ones that are bad like that. And they were in big moments that stick out so much that can overpower everything else. And what you can get by watching the All-22 that you don't necessarily see and where he is so good at is manipulating the defenders. When he's able to run routes and move and take coverage this way or that way or see uh, opening in a uh, zone coverage and hit that, that's hard for people to do. He's dragging more coverage with him than the majority of tight ends. Now, granted, Kittle and Kelsey are above him on that list, but for the most part, he's doing that. And what that does is it opens up for Addison and JJ and KJ for them to get into also open spots on the field. And having a tight end able to do that is a wonderful thing. We all like Kyle Rudolph. Kyle Rudolph was a mattress, especially in the red zone. But Kyle Rudolph was not fast and able to take coverage with him like TJ is. And then you have, then you go to lesser tight ends that just can't do that. We love Josh Oliver. Josh Oliver's been a fantastic tight end too. But he can't do what TJ does. Now, TJ can't block as well as Oliver, but that's where you have that yin and yang going. But people aren't seeing what he's doing to help the rest of the offense prior to have an opportunity to catch a ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think Hawkinson is, has done a really good job overall for this team. And there's an article uh, by somebody who covers the Lions about the trade. And uh, it's a very frustrating read because it was in it written with inherent bias and factually wrong at a lot of points. So um, I'll be writing about that in a couple weeks when it comes to that one year anniversary. Um, I actually might start writing that tonight and then just have it ready to go for that one year anniversary date. Um Let's well, talk about the next one because we have three more left, Dave. I, did, what were you gonna... wanna, uh, I think this is my favorite comment of the night, and I want to highlight it. MWO says, all the warts are a lot more apparent and ugly when you're losing ball games." Very good point. It's also in a very high-profile spot, too. Like, making a big catch is a high-profile spot. And if you don't do it, you have what we got. All right, we're going to spend a few minutes on this. And each of the last three, we're going to kind of do them rapid fire because we, we really got sucked into that first one real hard. Lewis seen as a bust. And I, I'm going to be straight up with you. I'm not going to spend much time on this. 
My conclusion on this is it's not a myth. It's not a fact. It's inconclusive. It's six games into his second season with a, when he basically shattered his leg the year prior. Now there are trends with this that have you really, really concerned. I'm cautious about this. Um, <laughs> thank you, Norseus. The uh, Norseus, thank you. That was that was tremendous. Um, that right now, Dave, uh, Dave was very kind enough, and I'm going to brag about him for a second before I talk more about scene. He's the reason why it sounds so good. He bought this, so all all this super chat money goes to him as as his repayment, and he he's taking it whether he likes it or not. Um, he's the reason why we sound as professional as we do because. The investment was made because he took the initiative. So, and we have an upgrade plan coming up, hopefully soon. Yeah, you can you can see all the pores on my nose with this new upgrade. It's going to be fun. But <laughs> um, the the big thing we've seen is there's so many reasons why he hasn't played a lot. Um, and so Grand Eyes, I'm going to answer that question. The reason why I don't do a lot of the all 22 stuff in a timely manners. Cause sometimes I don't like, I don't get the all 22 in a timely enough fashion where I can do that. And sometimes with the news of the day, I don't have the time to build something consistently. Um, and I, I try to do based on what I see. If there's something I think that really stands out last year, I started doing Kirk cousins, uh, checkdowns, and I would scour the all 22 for every time. I thought he actually checked down. And it got to a point where he wasn't actually checking down that much. Throwing short is not checking down all the time. So I gave up. I'm like, this isn't worth my time anymore. Um, when I see something good, I highlight it. So this past week, there, I haven't got to the defensive all 22 yet because Claire had the seizure and I've just been really busy. But I might try to watch it tonight while we watch Survivor because it's going live in like eight minutes. Um, and maybe I'll try to do some defensively. But So it was horned up. Yes, it is. Um, all right. So seeing there's too many variables here. I'm waiting. I understand why people are calling him a bust. I understand why people are annoyed and frustrated. I am too. It's too early to call him a true bust. It's not even halfway through year two. The trend is bad. It's not good. But there's reasons for everything. And let's see how the year plays out then we can have a better understanding. And if the year plays out where he barely plays any defense at all, and when he does, he doesn't look good. We're going to have to have a different conversation, but right now it's too many variables. I'm just, I'm just not going to like, I'm not, I'm not there. This one, I'm going to spend a few more minutes on Quasi Dolpha Mensa hasn't done a good job as general manager. Ah, uh, they might do that if they um, are out of the playoffs early uh, with the Derek Carr reference Motown, because then you see what happens with Jaron Hall. Um, so Quasey hasn't done a good job as general manager. Yeah, he has. Um, he's done a better job than people want to give him credit for. But I also, my conclusion was you need more time. I can't even call him a really good general manager. I personally think he's been doing a good job because I like the direction he's going and a lot of the stuff he had to fix because of Rick Spielman really hindered him from getting off on that right foot where he 
he wasn't able to really take that initial leap right away. He, they had to stay patient. Now, maximum flexibility after this year. There's a lot of flexibility in 24, 25, 26. That's what Quasi has done for this team. Will it work? I don't know. I couldn't tell you if it's going to work. But I like the direction. And I'm confident in the direction. But you can't call him bad. You can be frustrated. And you can be annoyed with some of the things that he's done. You can disagree with some of the moves. But one of my frustrations here is I think he's getting too much grief. One, because he's the first analytics general manager. And I think there's some grief, um, extra grief given to him because of the color of his skin. And I'm not going to outright accuse anybody of that, but I don't think he'd be getting the same kind of grief if he looked like Dave and I. Like, that's unfortunately the reality of a lot. Both of us, he'd be handsome. Oh, he still is. Quasi's probably the best looking guy of the three of us. Let's just be honest here. The dude is a good looking guy, but (laughs) it's there's so many factors of why he is not looked on with the same kind of uh, grace and positivity as others. Give him time. Every GM needs three years to really see if their plan is taking shape and moving in a positive direction. That's why you see a lot of GMs being moved on after three years because you have you. It's too difficult to judge after one year or two. They need to be able to change over the roster and get their guys in place and fix the salary cap. Do X, Y, and Z in order to make things. And GMAC, I'm not saying it's everybody, but uh, based on reading the comments of uh, Vikings Wire posts on Facebook, I I feel confident saying that it's an issue. Um, But that's why I'll never accuse anybody specifically of it because it's too difficult to like... like, I'm not going to sit here and call like Dave a racist. You know what I mean? Like, like a hypothetical speaking, of course. And it's a shame nowadays that that even pops up. Mm -hmm. I remember growing up as a kid and this is like, this is one of the instances where I realized that racism was taught and um, not something you just do. I remember there was uh, like, I went to a, a, like I lived in the suburbs. So it was a very white elementary school. And there was a, a a black kid my age that moved in and nobody's really playing with him. I just went up and like started shooting hoops with the kid. Like he was nice. I didn't think twice of it. I never had a thought in my head that this guy was different. He, he just, he was a kid and he wanted to play. I'm like, I'm in like, and I remember getting rewarded for it. I'm like, and I was thinking to myself, I even asked my mom, like, why? I didn't understand it. He was just a new kid and I wanted to play hoops. Like, but like that kind of thing, like not everybody has the same experiences and not everybody is that kind of open-minded. Not everybody has parents that were as open-minded. And I, that's, that's the biggest issue today. It's this stuff is learned and taught. It is not absorbed automatically. Um, Michael Harrington asked, does the front office have a governor on Quasi and handcuffing him from blowing this thing up? Absolutely. Yes. They, they, they will not tank. And I don't know how much of that is Quasi being fed it. Then a front office told him that, but I also know the front office told him that. And he is working within the confines that he was given. Like 
if my boss told me that I can't do X, Y, or Z, well, I can't do X, Y, or Z. That is, my boss told me I can't do it. Last one here. Um, and if you were annoyed by the race talk, I apologize. But I, I just I thought it had to be at least mentioned because I do think it's a problem. Um, Kevin O'Connell is a good play caller. And this is going to go back to the run blocking conversation we have with the offensive line, Dave. The run blocking is really good. The running game stinks. Why? The run blocking is good. What's going on? Execution. The execution of the plays are the problem, not the play calling itself. And I included a play that actually didn't work. And I, th- I think this is the reason, like the great example. So the article I posted, it's a play where Kirk Cousins runs a play action and he kind of does a little waggle. So it's like a half boot to the right. So it, it's exactly in the center of the field in between the hash marks. And he rolls out just past the right hash and he throws a, a screen to the other side. So it's a throwback. Jefferson drops the ball, but if he catches it, that's an easy 15, 20 yards. That kind of stuff is happening all the time. And we're seeing it. Um, and I, I really like it. I really like a lot of the play calling, but it doesn't always work. And that's on execution. And you can, I think you could still blame the coaches for some of that because the coaches are a big factor in executing the plays. But at the end of the day, the players need to execute. And Justin Jefferson dropping a football was a slightly difficult catch. He had to jump a little bit, but it was a drop. Players got to make the play. And there was a third down play early in the game where I, I highlighted it on Twitter. There was a bunch formation. So you've got, it looks like the old wishbone. You got two and then one up top. And KJ Osborne's on the far right. The two guys inside of him run straight ahead and he cuts underneath for a little, a uh, little drag route, easy eight yards, first down. Like that's creative stuff. And I really like how he, he calls this offense, but the offense themselves is holding them back. It's not due to the coaching. And to me, that's a big time myth. And Kevin O'Connell needs to be given more credit. And I like what he's doing. I like it a lot. And that's the show. Um, a lot of really nice comments coming in at the end of the show. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Um, Motown, I believe uh, KOC trusts him with the whole playbook, but doesn't mean he calls the whole playbook. Like it's different game to game. Um, thank you very much for, watching thank you very much for listening if you're on the podcast feed please like comment subscribe do all the fun things don't forget if you subscribe to the youtube channel any tier this time around any tier you will be able to join the show on monday ask us any vikings 49ers questions you want and talk with us for a few minutes before we move on it's going to be a really fun time and don't forget all we have some fun stuff coming up only podcast so subscribe to the podcast feed too so you don't miss anything that we do And when draft season comes around, I'm telling you guys, I'm going to be an absolute disgusting sicko. And there's going to be a lot, a lot of audio video content for you. It's going to be a great time. And we're going to have a lot of really fun, fun vibes on here. Don't forget Dave's show Saturday afternoon, four o'clock, the pregame to the pregame show this week, two old bloggers with him and Darren. We're going to have a really fun time. And 
like I said, plenty of podcast stuff as well. And then Monday night, 6 p.m. May even go early. If we go early, we'll let you know. But at, at the absolute latest, 6.05 p.m., just like every single week, we will be here. And we will be talking pregame Minnesota Vikings. And subscribers can join the show any any level. And we're going to have a fun time. And Justin be- will be here as well mm-hmm. with his last-minute check-in because he does his pregame, but he's joining us on Monday. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be a good time. And that's it, for, guys. That is it. I get a Sunday off for once this week, even though, let's be honest, I'm still going to be working because I'm a sicko. Until then, from Dave, from myself, shoot up some prayer, good vibes for Eclair. I'm Tyler. Skull Vikings, baby. Skull Vikings. Like. Subscribe. And ring the bell to get notifications. It helps us grow this community. And we all love our Minnesota Vikings. And on behalf of Tyler Fornis and myself, Dave Stefano, thank you so dearly for watching The Real Forno Show. Skull, everyone! It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This has been a Vikings First and Skull production. Part of the Fans First Sports Network.